0: And we are live. Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen. Bienvenidos, senoras y senores. This is the NAI Ball Podcast coming to you live. It's April 13th at the time of recording, and we are super excited to be here with y'all once again. As always, I am the host of the NAI Ball Podcast, Robbie Gutierrez, here with you at Rob G1063 on Twitter if you want to talk some baseball with myself. But first, The NAI Ball Podcast could not be possible without our friends over at Silverback Sports. That's Silverback Sports at ShopSilverback and ShopSilverback.com. You need to go and check them out. You need to be making sure that you are doing everything you can to help support the people that support the NAI Ball Podcast. They are an NAI-made company. They love NAI Ball. They love the baseball played at the NAI level. They are baseball coaches and former players at this level. So we need to be supporting them as well. That's at ShopSilverback on socials and ShopSilverback.com for the internet. Go check them out. Check out their website. Check out their social media. Like all of their posts. Buy something while you're there. Affordable arm care and training essentials for individual and team use. Check them out right now. Support the people who support the NAI ball. Podcast. As we get going into what is season four, episode 12 of the NAI Ball Podcast, we've got shout outs and mentions this week, a quick week in review. We've got a big discussion on the postseason outlook and where bids go from each conference, how the teams will make the postseason, and how they will qualify 30 automatic bids going out this year. Our NAI Ball Podcast hitter and pitcher of the week games and series that you need to be watching from around the nation. And then our big series of the week takes us down south to the southern states. But first, the foremost authority on NAI baseball, and uh, he's a little perturbed today. Cody, man, what's going on?
1: Oh, man, I'd be doing a lot better with some conference ratings. How about you, buddy? Sick and tired of not having conference ratings all the (laughs) time.
0: You know what? Uh, 100% agree with you there. Uh, Our job, you know, we rail against a lot of things here, Cody. It's kind of fun. Uh, but at the same time, we, we we rail on these things for a reason. The whole thing is is that if you put that conference ratings are going to be out on Monday, April twelfth, and we're in Tuesday, April thirteenth, getting ready to hit. Uh, I mean, it's already six p.m. Eastern time. I know Kansas City's a centralized location. It's already a- after C.O.B. for ninety percent of the world, you know, or ninety percent of the central time time zoned places. You know, close of business has already happened, and we don't have. Conference ratings, and you and I use those conference ratings to try to see who's going to move up and down in the top 25 rankings, how it's going to affect Bo Chip or or possibly even our, you know, what coaches are thinking in the conferences as to where teams belong. I mean, it's, it's so much deeper. At the end of the day, Cody, without those conference ratings, we're just kind of flying blind into a lot of things. The association not doing us a big favor there by not putting out the conference ratings when they're supposed to.
1: I mean, like you said, it factors directly into the top 25. They go hand-in-hand. You need one to have the other. You literally can't have a top 25 in NAIA baseball without having the conference ratings. It's frustrating, man. This happens so much, too. This is my number one pet peeve with the NAIA right now. I've said it all year long. Let's be honest. They came out at 9.30 at night the first week, 7 o'clock the next week, and then we just won't get them until tomorrow this week. And this isn't new. Like This happened last year. This happened the year before. It's really frustrating. They just don't get around to it. I don't believe it's a matter of they can't do it. I just believe that they have other stuff going on, and they'll get to it when they get to it. Uh, Don't put a release date out there. That's my biggest thing. Don't put a release date out there. Don't tell us it's going to be here at a certain time, and then it not be here. This is a case with anyone. If Amazon tells you your package is coming on Friday, you expect it to come on Friday. Like, just I mean, this is just textbook, man. It
0: it really is, Cody. And I think you know our thing is not to sit here and rag on on the association per se, but our thing is to protect the sport. That's our whole job. We cover the sport. This is our game. We don't, we don't have anything. There's nothing I've, I've called NAI basketball championships. I've called, I called the national championship in soccer. You know, I've been to multiple NAI national tournaments, but this is baseball only podcast we don't cover anything else we don't do anything else we don't want to cover anything else this is our sport this is the sport that we're most emotionally and you know time-wise invested in and at the end of the day Cody this is all we want to talk about and when the sport gets treated secondhand the first people that are going to talk about it are you and me, because we're the ones who take the, the, and we're, we're not the only ones who take notice, but we're the ones who take the most note of it because, you know, it's something that, that matters a lot to us. And that's and things that we can't properly cover the game without all the tools and information. We're already kept out of so much, you know, we don't get to see our cratings. We don't get to see you know, things are are decided or there's strength to schedule meetings because they have a strength to schedule list out there. They really do. But we're, we're really held out of all of that because things in this league are, are kept so hush hush at so many levels.
1: Very, very frustrating because we only have two polls left every second Monday and Wednesday. We look forward to it. Like we look forward to the top 25. We look forward to the conference ratings and the conference ratings are huge, man. Like they're just... I, I to disregard something this big is crazy to me. And like, for it to, this isn't like, oh, we're going to call it out because they didn't post it today. Like, no, this is a multi year thing that has bothered me for a long time. And as you said, we're not the only one. Uh, coaches check that all the time. Plenty of coaches checked it. I know many of coaches I've joked about it with last night because they know how heated I was. Like, and if you're busy in the national office, give me a call. I will send you my personal number. I'll do it for free. Like, if this is just a matter of like, oh, we're too busy which is, you know, a response we've been told before, hit us yep. up. We'll do it for it, you. It, no, that is the response we've been told
0: before, and we'll find time. <laughs> you know, we'll find time to do it. But, yeah, no, Cody, I mean, it's just kind of our, – our job is to protect the sport and to cover the sport and to – you know uh, continue to grow the sport and we have a hard time doing that when we can't see all of the information when we're already locked out of so much information because at the end of the day Cody top 25 is the only thing we're allowed access to it's the only thing players are allowed access to it's the only thing that you know uh, parents are allowed access to but at the end of the day Cody that is the like back burner of what gets decided into who makes the postseason
1: it just kinda is what it is. You gotta roll with the punches. This is kind of what we deal with. I think a lot of the players know about you know some of the stuff we have to deal with at this level. You just kind of gotta roll with it. And this is just one of those things. Absolutely, man. Well, hopefully we'll check again uh, by the time that we're done, you know,
0: really doing the show here. But in the meantime, let's take a look at some shout-outs and mentions and really a highlight for the coaches this week And the shout-outs and mentions, is the much shorter shout-outs and mentions than normal. Faulkner head baseball coach Patrick McCarthy won his 700th career victory on Saturday in a series sweep over Stillman. Congratulations to Coach Mack. Brad Shelton won his 700th game at UC, at the University of the Cumberlands, as the head baseball coach there last Wednesday in the win over Midway. Congratulations to Brad on that. And then Mount Marty head baseball coach Andy Bernatow. Picked up career win number 400 in a doubleheader sweep over Midland on Sunday. Congratulations to Andy on that as well. Cody, just three big highlights
1: this week for the shout-outs and mentions, but some big ones. Job well done to those, Ben, and uh, you know, hopefully they have a good rest of the season. We're pulling for them.
0: We go on here to our week in review, and it's a shortened week in review than uh, normal Cody, but we've got some good ones. Indiana Wesleyan and Taylor met. It was our big series of the week. And then Columbia and Mo Bapp met this week as well. We're actually going to start with Columbia and Missouri Baptist. They split the series 2-2, 10-4 in game number one in favor of Columbia, 9-6 in game number two in favor of Missouri Baptist, 7-6 to six in game number three in favor of Columbia, and then 16-3 to three in favor of Missouri Baptist in the final game. They split 2-2, Cody. We're going to go over this conference a little bit deeper later, but that's a big, a couple of big wins there for MOBAP and Columbia to really split that series, but we were hoping to see a winner to get a more defined picture.
1: Yeah, like you said, they entered 1-2 and in the conference. There was a one-game separation, Columbia led by a game. We were kind of hoping one team would take the series and push their way out front, and it just didn't happen. Columbia won the first game both days, and then Missouri Baptist was just able to respond both times, and actually they were able to respond emphatically so yeah, we're stuck at a one-game lead. This one's going to play out through the wire.
0: Yeah, really interesting stuff. It is a three-game difference between uh, third and fourth to second place. There are two teams tied for third in Central Baptist, and Lion in the American Midwest to Missouri Baptist. So a four-game lead for first-place Columbia, which currently holds that by one game. Indiana Wesleyan and Taylor met Cody, and this was a Really interesting one because Indiana Wesleyan wins the series three games to one, 15 to three Indiana Wesleyan in game number one. Then it's 12 to two Taylor. And then we have an 11 nothing Indiana Wesleyan victory and a 13 to one Indiana Wesleyan win. Cody, first and foremost, we did not see this coming. Not, not that we didn't see Indiana Wesleyan winning, we didn't see the amount of offense produced just on one side for each game.
1: I mean, they absolutely thumped them, man. I mean, I really did not see it coming. And they thumped them early. They were scoring runs early. It seemed like the first inning of those games, Indiana Wesleyan was just jumping out to really big leads. I know the first game on the first day, you know, the wind was going like 30 miles an hour. Taylor, I honestly had to deal with some tough fly balls that they just couldn't handle. And it really set the things in motion. But my goodness, Indiana Wesleyan, to outscore them 41-16, to 16, uh, three run rule victories, did not see it coming at all. Really impressed with that club. You take away, I mean, they went on the road and we talked about it. They lost the games to Southeastern and Faulkner. I mean, you take that out of there. This team's probably pushing 40 and five. I mean, they're they've really been incredible. To win three games the way the way they did going away, we just didn't see it coming. I think they have the separation they need now. We'll get to it later. But yeah, I mean, I really do think this weekend clinched their bid to in opening round. I just don't see how they blow a three game lead in three weekends when they've been as dominant as they have been. They got John Young back too. I think that's another thing. He came back and he pitched pretty well for them in game four. Now they have their dude back. They like rode the storm. They survived his injury. Yeah, I think this team is gonna go to the tournament this year.
0: That was a really, really, really special victory for Indiana Wesleyan just because I think it was it was a big decider in, you know, a big decider in, in what was gonna happen in that conference but at the end of the day you had a really good pitching Taylor team that was kind of carrying the, the the load for the entire conference as for the ERA and Indiana Wesleyan just blew that up I mean you're talking 10 plus runs in three of the four games and just you know you talked about it what the uh, how much they outscored him by but that's that's absolutely crazy. I did not see this type of, of game, you know, of series coming to where at the end of the weekend, I thought, first off, my fear was, oh man, we're going to split. We're going to split. You know, it, 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 we split the first day. We're going to have a more competitive second day. We're going to split. And that's really going to be unfortunate because we're, we, you know, we're not going to have a clearer picture. But that second day, Indiana Wesleyan came out and just looked the part as the top team in that conference.
1: Yeah, they really, I mean, they really did. They looked like a conference champion. They held them to one run on four hit. I mean, they literally to hold that team to one run throughout the day. And that's in a double header. Uh just elite pitching. I mean, we talked about their offense, and that's what creates blowouts. I mean, great offense, elite pitching. You're gonna get a blowout. Really impressive stuff for Indiana Wesleyan. A couple of players I want to highlight. Catcher Colby Jenkins, eight runs, two home runs, six RBIs in the series. Left fielder Nick Coy, two doubles, a home run with 10 RBIs. Center fielder, Ty and two home runs, four RBIs. He has 11 home runs on the season, just been a dude for them. MJ Stavola, a double, a triple, four RBIs, and then we talked about the pitching. Hunter Hoffman, a complete game shutout.
0: Absolutely huge series win for Indiana Wesleyan. Congratulations to them. Columbia and Missouri Baptists split in our other series that we reviewed this week, so definitely a lot to take a look at there. But Cody, let's jump into our big discussion this week, and our, our discussion really Takes place around the one thing that we really love the most, and it's the postseason play. And what we're going to do here is we're going to look not just, not really more at. We're not going to really look at like we normally do, where it's just, where we we I come out and I rail against the the auto bid and things like that. What we're going to talk about is where do these bids come from? How many bids per conference? And who we think the front runner to get either that first bid or that regular season title or that that coveted number one bid that how that first bid goes out, we're going to talk about the favorite team to win that. So we're going to kick things off here with the American Midwest Conference, Cody. They get one bid, and that goes to the tournament champion. Currently, Columbia would be that team, but when it comes down to being the tur- when the bid comes out to being the tournament champion, every single team. In the nation, who feels like they might they're in a tough conference, and they might not win their conference tournament, gets a little bit tighter, because that means an at-large bid going away. And when you talk about the AMC, you really feel like it's a it's a one bid league this year, where there's a slight possibility of them getting two teams in, but you feel I, I think we feel like Columbia's got the best opportunity there.
1: I do like Columbia to win the tournament. Uh, they're the best hitting team in the conference or the third best pitching team in the conference. Wouldn't surprise me if Missouri Baptists take it. They played them extremely well. I think those are the two best teams in the conference. The way this format's going to work for them, uh, everyone in the conference makes the tournament. So, I mean, as far down at the bottom as a team like Caristo State, they win the conference, they're going to dance, and they make the tournament. That's tough luck for Columbia and Mo Uh The first and second seed will get a bye. So right now it does look like Columbia and Missouri Baptists will get a bye. Uh, the 5th through eight will have a play-in game, and then those winners obviously will play 3 and 4. So right now, our projection would be Columbia. I think they have the best roster. I just think they're the best team. But uh, Missouri Baptist is right on their heels, and I, I don't think it's very far, as we saw literally this week.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree. I I agree. I mean, it's it's close. And you feel like if somebody was to come up, a Cinderella team was to come up and grab that ticket to the dance, you feel like that's a one bid league. We won't see another team out of that league, possibly. 100%. It's going to be tough. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to play the situation in my mind. And I mean, unless Columbia was to be, you know, maybe ranked, I could see that. But how many times have we seen a ranked team miss the tournament? You know, you can go back yeah. to Benny Mesa.
1: They won't um, get high enough in the rankings. I'm with you, you on wouldn't. that. I just, yeah, they, they would have to be top 50. I feel like if you're not top 15, you're not safe. Like even though you're 16, like you said, Ben Mesa's been ranked. So yeah, I just don't see it.
0: Yeah, it, it's not a comfortable thing. And if you're in, and, and there are more, there are two more at large bids this year. So the way it's going to kind of break out, Cody, is it's going to be 30 auto bids with 15 at large bids. So there are two more at large bids this year than normal you that doesn't mean you can feel safe it means it just means that there's more room in case there are upsets and you'd like to you know if you're a team that's on that bubble you are rooting for chalk you don't want those upsets to happen because the more tournaments that go chalk and the the favorite wins them is the bigger opportunity for those at large bits to travel further down the list and get more of those teams who are closer to you know, 16 to 25 and even beyond that into the tournament. So you're going to have to hope for a lot of things there. But Cody, the American, or excuse me, the Appalachian Athletic Conference gets two bids. And the way that those two bids are decided is there's two pod winners. But if we felt like there's a fit front runner right now, I think we can both agree. Tennessee Wesleyan is going to be the front runner for that, f- for that number one spot.
1: Without question. I don't even think there's a question about it. Uh, Tennessee Wesleyans won that conference like 17 years in a row, and I think it's going to be 18, obviously. I think they're going to win the regular season. That doesn't do anything but secure them a one seed, and they will win their pod. I've seen it play out time and time again. What's crazy about this conference is, we mentioned Point, but also Union a couple of years ago. The two seed doesn't always win their pod. Like You see that play out a lot. Where it's like, because I know Brian's been in at large a couple of years, and this is a conference where you're going to see at large teams. I'm sure you'll get to it, but like Brian and Reinhardt, they don't necessarily have to win their pod. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is a this is a really competitive conference, so it's actually a lot of it's a fun tournament where you can see a team sleep up, like a Columbia International get hot. You know, obviously a team like St. Andrews has a guy like Davis O'Brien, so I think it's fun the way they do their two pods. You're going to get a second team to go with Tennessee Wesleyan. And, uh, you know, it could be turned into be a four-bid league. It'll probably be a three-bid league, though.
0: I I was just going to say, I definitely see it as more of a three-bid league. I think uh, Brian, it's tough because both Brian and Reinhardt are are right on that cusp in this last top 25. I know this is going to change tomorrow, so we'll have a different opinion of it. But if you just take a look at it, they're both on that cusp in in that 13 to 15 range, Reinhardt in that 15, 16 range there. So they're both on the cusp if if they don't win that conference uh, pod you know, you still have an interesting opportunity. But, you know, when it comes down to it is Reinhardt right now, the season ended today. I want to say that second seed goes to Reinhardt. You know, sometimes, that, like you said, they don't win it. I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens because if you get a Milligan, if you get a St. Andrews, I still think it's a three-bid
1: league. Would you agree with that? Well, then it would be four, right? Does that mean you think Brian and Reinhardt would well, get in?
0: Do, do you think everything else – when has everything else ever gone – chalk
1: <laughs> so well, no, I, i'm assuming say tennessee wesley wins their pod say a bluefield gets hot and wins their pod what do you do with brian and reinhardt so you're saying one of those gets i, left I out? think one of them gets
0: in and one of them gets left out Ooh, I, that, would,
1: that would be good drama i'm for it it would, it would be good drama
0: because i just think that if if that's happened in the aac what's going to happen in some of the other places around the nation like you know the sun where, where with we one think bid? yeah like the sun with one bid i mean you get down to these two-bid leagues, and before you know it, you know we'll, we'll talk about them here in a minute, but before you know it, you get something crazy happening, and, and like Jarvis Christian, who's having a rough year, makes a tournament. That pushes either a Brian or Reinhardt, whoever doesn't get that, that next bid, that pushes whoever's on the outside looking in further back. So I just, I just think it's a three-bid league. I don't think it's a four-bid league this year. I don't think there's any four-bid leagues this year, to be honest.
1: That's tough, because we've had years where like, the Sun Conference probably deserved a four-bid league the year with Warner and didn't get it, so I understand.
0: Which we would have if we did things where there were more at-larges and less auto-bids. One per conference would be great, but I digress. It's a different story for a different time. The AII, Cody, two bids in this league. The AII, the Association of Independent Institutions, gets two bids to the tournament champion and the tournament runner-up. And we believe GGC is the front runner.
1: Absolutely. I think it's going to be chalk like every year. It's going to be Gwinnett taking the first bid and Talladega coming in second. I think both of them are going to go to the national tournament. I would be very surprised if anything else happened.
0: Definitely. I think all signs point to uh, GGC as the one there. And then Talladega being the two, I think is, is good. Talladega plays a really tough schedule. They play some really good opponents. They play really good teams around the nation, so I think Talladega would be would be the team to look at there. Moving on to the CalPAC, Cody, one bid a difference this year. As the CalPAC and the Cascade have split off, the tournament champion from the CalPAC will get that one bid. We are going with Benue Mesa here. At least I'm going with Benue Mesa, but still St. Catharines and Antelope Valley in play for this conference. It's just going to be a really tough thing to do.
1: Yeah, I am going with Ben. You predicting the tournament champions always hard. It's harder than picking in a regular season, obviously. It's ridiculous. I think if anyone was going to give them a run for their money, it's going to be Antelope Valley. You know, as their arrival in this conference, they've been the top two teams for years. Antelope Valley is a team we have not touched on that much this year because, let's be honest, they didn't start until like March 17th. I mean, they yeah, started. Yeah, they didn't start until mid March, March, man. Yeah, they started so late. They're playing well. I mean, they're hitting 384 as a team. and they've only played 15 games, but 384, that's a hefty number. They're actually pitching. You know, adequate. I guess the third best in the conference, it's okay for them. I mean, so I think Antelope Valley, Ben Mesa, they've been your two top teams. I want to see my boy Dylan Jacob get in the tournament at St. Catherine. He has on pace to potentially flirt with like a 30 home run season. So I don't know, Ben, you, maybe they get in if they don't win the tournament, but they're not going to feel safe about it. I know they want to win that tournament.
0: Yeah. Just based on prior experience, you cannot lose that tournament and feel safe. The other thing here is, Antelope Valley's only got five more games left in the season, Cody. Uh, They're going to play a 20-game schedule and then jump themselves. And that's all they have on their their school website. But a a 20-game schedule and then move straight into the conference tournament. They're going to have some good battles with, with Ben venue before that to get themselves ready, but that's going to be a really tough thing to do when you're talking about, you know, you just started your season in the middle of March there. It'll be really interesting to see what happens with St. Catherine, but I think if anybody is going, if that, that league is, has any opportunity to be a two-bid league, then you cannot win the conference tournament because I just don't see any realistic way because of just how late Antelope Valley started. You know, it's going to be really tough to put them in even at like 16
1: and four, you know, something like that. You know what I'm saying? Oh, uh, 100%. It's not happening. If we're not going to put in Reinhardt, who's 27 and 10 and played a brutal schedule, we're not putting in Antelope Valley. Uh, Antelope Valley has a shot. They know that. They know when they signed up, they have 20 games. Their shot to make the national tournament is to win the conference tournament. They are in the same boat most teams around the country are in. <laughs> Winning, you're in. So I, I do like Ben you. I think they're the best roster. I think Tyler Jacobson's been an absolute dude. I don't think we've given him enough love this year. He's a true ace for them, and I like Benio. I think they got the best team, and I think they'll get it done.
0: The Cascade gets one bid as well to the tournament champion. Cody, this is a tough one, but we feel like uh, Jacob Garces and Oregon Tech have the best opportunity here. But in the Cascade, man, you take out Lewis and Clark, and there's not a winning record in there or a conference winning record in there. So this is a tough one, not just because when you take out LCSC, are they going to be, you know, is it is it gonna be, is it really dog eat dog? Because it is the only team that's beaten LC is one time Oregon Tech, but at the same time, there's no winning records in this conference.
1: No, and that's like and so. They're actually like LC's in the conference tournament this year, which you know they haven't always done. They're hosting the conference tournament, they're gonna win the conference tournament. I mean, it's they're 23 and one in conference, they're so 30 and two, they're not gonna lose it. So the beauty in that means is the runner-up in this conference gets to go to the national tournament. Baby, you get to be a five-seed, and it's going to either come down to Corbin, Oregon Tech, or College of Idaho. Shout-out to Eastern Oregon. They're a first-year program. They're doing their best. It's not going to be them. Uh, I like Oregon Tech. They've played people the closest. I hate to have to be like, well, you lost the best, but they've played LC the closest. They've actually given LC some pretty good games. Uh, We talked about it before. They got William up some good games earlier in the year. But uh, I would pick Oregon Tech to take the bid out of that conference. Like I said, we're obviously picking LSU to win the conference tournament, but uh, you know they get the auto bid, so we'll go with Oregon Tech.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree with you on that one for Oregon Tech. Moving on to the CCAC, it is a two-bid league, Cody, and it is one of seven conferences that will crown a regular season champion and give them a ticket to the big dance. Also, the tournament champion will get that ticket as well. We feel like it will be – a toss-up. <laughs> I want to say Judson. Uh they're they're in good spot here. St. Ambrose is in a good spot. Olivet Nazarene is in a good spot. St. Xavier, I think, could be in a good spot as well. But I feel like it's it's really more than anything a toss-up here as to uh who's going to get this bid.
1: Yeah, honestly, I don't have a clue, man. They're all, you know, this it makes for great baseball down the stretch because, like you said, a regular season champion is gonna punch their ticket. So, literally, this is one of my favorite leagues because I do like rewarding the regular season champion. I do like rewarding a team that was the best over three months instead of three days. But uh, I think we're going to get some separation games this weekend. St. Xavier plays Judson. Olivet Nazarene plays St. Ambrose. So, you have one playing three, two playing four. Uh, that's good for us. Obviously, we get a little bit of you know, just an idea of what's going on. The problem with the CCAC lately is they've had so many games. like They've had to make up because of weather. Nothing they can do. They battle this year after year. I really don't know. I thought St. Xavier was the best team coming into the year. Uh, they've not proven to be so far. They actually got swept by St. Ambrose, which was really surprising to us a couple of weeks ago. So if St. Ambrose goes out there and they play well against Olivet Nazarene this weekend, they would probably get my pick. But you know, until it happens, I just don't know.
0: Yeah, it's, it's really going to be interesting to see what it, what it is down the stretch. But like you said, there are some really good ball games this weekend that will give us a more clear idea on who that team out of the CCAC is going to be uh, for that regular season championship because we only have just a few weeks left. I mean, there's only a few shows left in the season. There's only a few weeks left overall this year. It's going to be really tight down the stretch, and things are starting to get really tight in the CCAC, and it makes for good baseball. Cody, the crossroads. Two bids out of the crossroads, the regular season champion and the tournament champion as well get those extra incentives to go to the dance. I think this is a two bid league, either way, Cody. Uh, I, you know, Huntington maybe they're 24 and eight, uh, only one non conference loss, 17 of their 24 wins coming in conference play. But I think Indiana Wesleyan is going to be the first team that's ticket is punched in this conference.
1: Absolutely. Indiana Wesleyan is going to win the regular season. Uh, The only thing that would give me pause, they play the second best team that they'll play, which is the third best team in the conference, Huntington, this weekend. If for whatever reason they go out there and get swapped all four games, then it opens back up. I don't see that happening. I think they're the best team in the conference, Indiana Wesleyan. Before you said, I do think this is a two-bid league. I think Taylor's been very good all season. I don't change my mind on Taylor just because they didn't have a good weekend. That said, I think Taylor could get the U treatment if they don't take a tournament bid, meaning they don't have to win the tournament because if Indiana Wesleyan wins the tournament, they would get the runner-up. They have to be in that championship game, though. I don't, I don't know that they would get the bid. Say you know, another team gets hot, say a Spring Arbor gets hot. They go in there, they win the tournament. You got Spring Arbor, uh, Indiana Wesleyan. I don't know that Tabor would get in. They've been a top yeah. 20 team all year. I just don't know. I don't know. Um, Again, it's like it's like we said, though.
0: If you're in that 16 ranked nationally, number 16 and lower, the collar around your neck cannot feel good right now. Because unless you're in a conference that's that's having a down year or anything like that, like you have an opportunity to not make the tournament. To not make the tournament. It, it's just the truth of the matter, and the fact of the matter is that you, know, you need a lot of things to go chalk to get in. And the further down the list you go, you need those things to go, to go chalk because we only give out 15 at-larges. And it's just the way the system is designed. And it's, un- it's unfortunate that the system is designed that way. But it, you're right. If you're Taylor and you lose in the conference tournament because you, you're not going to – you know at this point, you're three games out of the regular season title, uh, it's going to be really tough for you to, to climb back in and feel like you've got a good shot to make to make the tournament, but I do think it is a two bid league. I don't think it's a three bid league.
1: The thing that hurts Taylor too, and I'm being a real, I think Taylor's a really good baseball team. Like I think Indiana Wesleyan just proved how good they were. The thing that hurts Taylor is you mentioned earlier. You don't think Reinhardt would get in in that scenario you used. Well, Reinhardt swept Taylor, mm-hmm. so and, I, and to, to say that doesn't matter is going to be wrong. It does matter if they're no, the Around yeah, and they're in the at large room. And you're coming down to Taylor and Reinhardt, who teams I think are pretty comparable. I mean, obviously Reinhardt swept them. I have them a little, they're obviously a little bit better. But if it comes down to Reinhardt and Taylor, they're going to look at that point and be like, all right, well, Reinhardt Swap them. I, Reinhardt's ahead of them. So, you know, if you're Taylor, you'd probably be hoping that Reinhardt gets in. You know what I mean? You're hoping that they secure a bid. And uh, I don't know that it'll come down to that. That's always just a two-team sample size. But I think little things like that add up across all conferences. It's going to be
0: really tough because I think If Reinhardt would be out, you know, let's say Reinhardt and or Brian, you know, it's interchangeable at this point. think one of them gets in if they don't win the conference. If they do win the conference, if one of them does win that other pod that's not Tennessee Wesleyan, I think, you know, all three of them get in and and we're good there with the the AAC. But – I think if you're talking about teams who just miss out, you're looking at those AAC teams. And obviously, Cody, I mean, to me, the AAC is one of the better baseball playing conferences in the nation. So they are going to get, you know, that recognition of that and the competition that's there in that conference to who can make it. I just think, you know, the, the last thing you want as a team who's on that cusp of, man, we're ranked, but we still might not get in, because at this point, being ranked means nothing when it comes to the postseason. It's you need, so many things that you don't need a Milligan team to come out and play their best weekend ever and take a, take a pod. You don't need a St. Andrews to do that. You don't need something crazy like Bluefield getting really hot and going out there. So uh, it's going to be interesting. I, I would put, you know, obviously a Reinhardt or a Brian as that first team out last team in type of situation for an at large bid. If it came down to it, depending on, again, depending on who the other teams are from around the nation, you know, are, are looking for at larges. So that's, you know, that's just my thoughts on it. We move on here to the GSAC Cody, a one bid league in the GSAC, which is kind of mind blowing because you take a look at, you know, the amount of teams that have been successful in the postseason from the GSAC, but the tournament champion gets to go on and represent the GSAC in their one bid league. What they're doing this year is they're separating two different pods. Uh, One pod will have, you know, uh, what they're calling the West and the other pod the East. The champion of the West will play the champion of the East in a three-game series, and then that team will get the bid. Vanguard, Cody, is our favorite to win it.
1: Yeah, Vanguard is the favorite to win it. For all you bubble teams out there, you need Vanguard to win that conference (laughs) championship too. You need Vanguard to win it. I think it's a two-bid league. Uh, no, overrated. I think so. They've liked Cope International all year. You know, They've been top 10. Now they're number 12. Uh, they might fall a little bit. They'll probably fall, honestly, probably will fall by the time y'all listen to this. But they'll still be in the top 25. And I think that they're going to put two GSAC teams in. I just don't see them leaving that many West Coast teams out. I think Hope International has played well enough to earn that spot. So, yeah, as long as Vanguard holds serve, and I think they will, I think they're the best team in the conference. And I do think Hope International will get in as an at-large.
0: I 100% agree with you there. I think HIU has the best opportunity to get in as an at-large in that conference, and I think HIU will, will uh, find their way in. And I definitely think that there's a, even a good opportunity to possibly host out there, depending on if they, uh, Vanguard you know, puts in for it or not. But it'll be interesting because we still don't know what's going to happen with, with the overall postseason projection of play. The Pack, Cody, two bids, regular season champion, and the tournament champion, Concordia University, Nebraska, is likely the frontrunner for this one. They lead. They are actually tied at 13 and three apiece with Doan in that conference, but they're 26 and five overall. The next closest team would be Jamestown at 11 and five in conference play, and then Morningside at nine and seven. But I would say Concordia University, Nebraska, has got the best shot right now.
1: Absolutely. I think Concordia, Nebraska is the best team in the conference. They have the best staff. They've been honestly incredible all year. Uh, they hit 354 as a team. They have a 369 ERA. Uh, they're head and shoulders statistically right now, the best team. Now, they did split with Dolan and that doubleheader. Obviously, they both have the same record. Everything's in front of both teams. They can handle it. The team that I think to look out for in the conference tournament, Jamestown, uh, moved over from the North Star in 2019. Won the GPAC tournament in 2019. First year, won the conference. I think they're a team that's, you know, they've made several opening rounds. Look out for the Jimmies. Uh, I like Jamestown. I'm going to pick those two teams to go this year. I like Jamestown to get it done, and I like Concordia. I do like Concordia to win the conference. Uh, one thing to note about this league is interesting. If Concordia wins the conference the regular season and then they win the tournament, it doesn't go to the tournament runner up. The second bid goes to the number two team in the regular season. Now, that's very different from other <laughs> wow. conferences. Yeah, I confirmed yeah. that with the Concordia SID. Uh, that's very different. They voted on that to reward the best team all season. I actually like that. I mean, you talked about this off air. Yeah, yeah, we did. I, I, yeah, and I, I think you should reward teams that were better for three months than three days. But I understand you got to have something to play for. I understand the bid goes to the tournament because why else would you play it? I get it. But, um, yeah, I think that's interesting to note. And I think that puts a lot of incentive in that title game. You can't just, oh, we made it. You know, you actually have to win. And I think Jamestown is a team that I think will win. So I'm going to go with Jamestown. So basically, the, the way that that works is
0: how Cody's saying is that if Concordia and Jamestown meet in the, in the conference championship, conference tournament championship game, and Concordia wins, Jamestown does not get the second bid. The second bid goes to Doan.
1: That is correct. So, that is how yeah. So it would even be, yeah. if Doan
0: two steps it in the tournament, you know that that bid would still go to Doan.
1: Assuming uh, they hold out the the next three weeks, yeah, right Assuming, for yeah, the next yeah. three
0: weeks as that number two seed. You know, if everything holds as it is, really interesting stuff there. I can one hundred percent see Jamestown. Jamestown is just a team that really comes out and plays some you know good baseball. They come out. Tom Hager's team is something that uh, for the last couple of years has been big number teams as far as wins go, Cody, that it would not shock me at all. You're talking about a Jamestown team, you know, in 2016 that won 52 games. And since that 2016 team, they've won 40 plus games, you know, in two of the, you know, they won 40 plus games in 17, 40 plus games in 18, 35 in 19 when they won that tournament. And they're on pace to do something like that, 30 plus wins. But you know they've had really successful seasons, and even before that, you can go back before that. They haven't had less than a tw- uh, less than a thirty win season, minus the COVID year in twenty twenty, for the entire Dak Stats era, and that goes all the way back to two thousand six. So this is a team that is successful and knows how to win ball games. So it would not shock me at all to see Jamestown uh, get up there as well out of the G
1: pack. Agreed completely. I want to. Add one note. Uh, if you remember last year, we got in like a little Twitter beef with Don over this slightly. But uh, Lucas White for Don, they've been playing well 13 and 3. I feel like we don't ever give him credit. I want to. Last year, he hit 571. Granted, he only had 35 at bats. He was 20 for 35. Hit 571. This year, hitting 450 on the year, 16 doubles, eight home runs. The guy's been incredible. I just wanted to give a shout out to Lucas White because I feel like we don't talk about him enough and he truly has been one of the best players in the nation.
0: Yeah, he's he was really he's been really good this year. He, he was really good uh, last year. The only thing was is that because of COVID, he just did not qualify. He did not qualify. Even though Dax had him as number one, uh, he did not meet the minimum threshold for our award. Uh, so, you know, he just did not qualify as the batting average champion there, and it's not Doan's fault or Lucas's fault for that. You know, at the end of the day, it's just one of those things that COVID – you know, sucked for everybody. So uh, moving on here to the heart and the H-A-A-C. Cody, two bids here for the tournament champion in the tournament runner-up. So the tournament matters a lot in this conference, but I think you and I have the same feeling, Central
1: Methodist. Yeah, we do. Central Methodist for sure. I think they're the best team in the conference. I think they're top five team in the country. they proved that all season. What's tricky here is this is a two-bid league. I don't see, and I think there are some good teams. I think Clark, mid American Nazarene, uh, Mount Mercy, Benedictine, they've all been really good. I mean, you got a couple of them ranked. I know Benedictine's ranked. mid American Nazarene started the year ranked. Here's the deal. Hate me. You can be mad at me if you want. Central Methodist, they win the tournament. They're getting in. Whoever the runner-up is or whoever beats Central Methodist, or regardless, the only way this conference gets three teams in is if Central Methodist goes 0-2 and doesn't make the final. Like, I, I don't agree. see it the way. Yeah, because, like, Mid-American Nazarene's been great, but they're not going to get in over some of these other teams in the at-large, even for the great season they have. And right, is- you're,
0: you're asking for an at-large bid for a team that, that there's just not enough. And if we, did, if we did the tournament another way, Cody, you're talking about a three-bid league. But the way that we're doing the tournament here is you're, you're just talking about two-bid league unless Central Methodist loses in the conference tournament.
1: We got to give a shout out to the heart tournament because being you love it, the play-in game. Oh, I love it's, it. The play-in game. Amazing. The play-in Inject game is Inject that into
0: my blood. Like, I love the play-in game.
1: Yeah, I mean, so I don't know if you agree with me, but I, I do. I think Central Methodist is going to win the tournament. If I was going to pick a second team, I am going to pick mid Nazarene. It's very chalky, I know, uh, but I've seen them play Benedictine. Uh, they took them to the woodshed. They were the better team that day, and maybe it'll change in the conference tournament. But for right now, I think those are the best two teams. Central Methodist and Mid-American Nazarene, I do have them going. Look out for Clark, though. You put Clark in a conference tournament with Jacob Kerman and Alec Thomas, you have two stud pitchers, you could pitch your way to the final.
0: Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what happens. Uh, I think Central Methodist for sure. Um, What would be best for the Hart Conference is Central Methodist losing, and they get two other teams plus Central Methodist because I don't think there's a single way that they miss this tournament. But, but... At the same time, I just think Central Methodist is, is way too good. Uh, I think Clark could be that second team as you know, either a tournament champion or a runner up. Along with Central Methodist, I think Mid America Nazarene could do it. You know, uh, would I be shocked if Mount Mercy did it? You know, they're twenty six and nine overall. You know, six of their nine losses are in conference. Benedictine's got an opportunity. There's a lot of teams in this conference, Cody, who have an opportunity. But at the end of the day, it's just the way that the tournament is set up. There's not an opportunity to get another team. An at-large bid from this conference, unless they're Central Methodist. So I totally agree with that uh, statement. It'll be really interesting to see. I think that second spot is still up in the air, but I think Central Methodist has a lock. The KCAC, a two-bid league, to the regular season champion and the tournament champion. And Cody, I think we're pretty, pretty sure Oklahoma Wesleyan here has really going to have its ticket punched pretty soon.
1: Oh, Lock it up, baby. It is over. Uh, First certified in AI ball lock of the year. Uh, We're going to wake up and and Oklahoma Wesleyan is going to be like 57-3 and going to Lewiston. (laughs) I mean, they're just flying under their radar. They've been incredible. Uh, I talked with the head coach in the KCAC, not going to say who, but said that they're incredible, that they're a top five team this year. Uh, Their pitching is back to what it used to be offensively. They're obviously a juggernaut. Uh, they're a legit team. They're they're Lewiston pound, is basically what I heard. So, yeah, they look really good this year. Honestly, incredible stuff. I think they're far and away the best team in the conference. I think McPherson is the second best team in that conference, but uh, Oklahoma Wesleyan swept them. But, yeah, McPherson would be my number two team. Uh, They just offensively, they're just pounding people, and I think that those are your top two teams. But I do think there is a bit of a separation, because I think Oklahoma Wesleyan is potentially a Lewiston team.
0: Cody, would you say this is a two-bid league? There's there's not really a possible third here?
1: Yep, absolutely. Only a two-bid league.
0: Yeah, I, I think we're in agreement on that one. You know, when looking at it, I, I was more looking at these leagues as who would be a two-, three-bid league, and I think the KCAC is a two-bid league. And I think McPherson's got the best opportunity to be that other team. I'm, I'm really interested if we could see the current rankings because, you know, when we just go off of the old rankings uh, – they're on that 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 cusp, you know. So they would have to be that tournament team to get in there. But uh, still, I think they've got the the next best opportunity. It'll be interesting to see because you had a, K- a Kansas Wesleyan team that's playing really well. Ottawa's got some dudes, you know. Uh, I, I never count out Mark Stanford and Tabor, you know. So it, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. The Mid South Conference, Cody, is a two bid league in the msc the tournament champion and the runner up and our favorite for that cody i think nai ball is going to go with uc the university of the cumberlands
1: yeah absolutely i think they've just been the best team uh cumberland's kind of like central methodist and oklahoma Wesleyan. they're a team that's a lewiston contender they're a top five team anytime you get something like that it's going to be them the runner up for them interesting interesting i don't know i really don't know and there are times where Fried Hardeman looks like, you know, they're the talented team we've seen go to and back-to-back. Bethel this year. Bethel is a team that's been really good. I mean, heck, Bethel took a series over Cumberland's, pitched really well. Uh, Bethel is a team that we're like, well, man, maybe they could be a top 25 team. And then, like, this weekend, they go out there and they lose a series to Talladega. So you just don't know if I <laughs> – I don't know that I could pick a second team in the conference tournament. I like, could. Yeah, you're just taking a wild stab on the deck, the dark. I would probably say – Fried Hardeman but that's just going off past history and pedigree so I really don't know but I do think Cumberland's is the best team in this conference
0: yeah if we're just going off of past history I mean I feel like Fried Hardeman or or even Georgetown would be the front runner there uh, but it could swing either way and I think Cumberland's you know Kentucky is is by far in a way the, the favorite you know I know they've dropped um a series and they've dropped a game here and there but I mean they're 34 and 5 they're having a great year they're going to be really good they're going to be comfortable in in postseason play and they're trying to punch their ticket to lewiston for the first time so i think they have a really good opportunity here this year uh to get all of that done the mid-south is a two-bid league the north star a one-bid league cody the tournament champion and i also think we're very comfortable saying bellevue as that favorite
1: yeah i mean they've won the north star as long as we've been doing this and the best team in the conference uh, they split with mayville state so maybe mayville state gets hot uh, but this is a one-bid league, though. You know, if Bellevue doesn't win the conference tournament, it's not going to be them. But I think for Bellevue, they know that they have to win the tournament to get in, and I think they will. The Red River Athletic
0: Conference gets two bids. Cody, they only have seven teams playing this year, but the regular season champion and the tournament champion get bids. Our Lady of the Lake is looking to make history, and they didn't just make history by being in the top 25 for the first time ever. They're trying to make the tournament for the first time ever
1: yeah, I, I mean, I like their chances. I think Our Lady of the Lake's gonna win the regular season. They've gotten through their toughest competition. They've played Treeport, played Alexandria, played Texarkana. Arcana. I just like their chances. I think they've been the best team in that conference all season. They've got pretty good pitching, pretty good hitting. I think they're gonna go to the national tournament. Treeport hosting the conference tournament, uh, arguably the most talented team in the conference despite getting swept. I think they get it right, they're gonna get hot, and I do think that they're gonna win the tournament, and I think those are gonna be your two teams.
0: Shreveport is a really tough place to play. So you know, if you're Olu, you really need to lock in here to to you know this conference uh, regular season because you have the, an opportunity to really close this out. But Shreveport, anybody who's ever played in Shreveport knows it's a little bit of a tough place to play. You know, at least when I was uh, going to Shreveport and playing Shreveport, it was a tough place to play. It was a rowdier crowd. Uh, it's a lot different than playing in San Antonio, where you have a lot of you know your your own fans behind you. And so um, Shreveport's just a really tough place to play. The RRAC is a two bid league. And we're taking Our Lady of the Lake as the front runner for the regular season title. The River States Conference is a two bid league Cody on to the regular season champion and the tournament champion. And IU Southeast is the front runner there for you and me.
1: Yeah, Indiana Southeast struggled a little bit out of conference, came back and has been dominant ever since. But that's a team I think when you're listening to this, they're going to be in the pool. Thought they were going to get in the top 25 two weeks ago didn't happen. Uh, they're like the second team out. They're definitely going to get in this week. They're playing really well, man. I think they're the best team in the conference. They're going to clinch a bid with the regular season title. That's all but locked up. And then the second bid, it's going to come down to two teams in the conference tournament. Who do I think is going to probably play them in the final. Point Park and Asbury. Asbury took the series two to one earlier in the year. I'm going to go with Asbury. I'm not going to change script. I've been on Asbury all season. I think they got the arms. They can go in there, get to a final, and punch their bit. I do like IU Southeast to sweep uh, both the regular season and the tournament.
0: Yeah, they've got a four-game lead right now in the River States Conference, and I really think that second spot comes down to uh, Asbury and Point Park. And like you said, Asbury did take the series the first time they met, so it'll be really interesting to see what happens in that one. The Sooner Athletic Conference, Cody, is one bid, and this is one that you and I kind of went back and forth on quite a bit. But the tournament champion – gets that one bid, and USAO was a team that we leaned towards.
1: Well, this is the one I feel like we could spend some time on because I don't know how many bids this league will get. That is tricky, tricky, tricky. I don't even know who the best team in the conference is. I feel like most years we know it's between USAO and Oklahoma City. I don't even know that it's between those two this year. It could be Southwestern Christian. We're going to find out a lot this weekend when they play USAO. I'm going to pick science and arts and like you, I think we know why it's because we believe in Colton Williams and not only just Colton Williams, I believe in Ricardo Velez. Uh, I think he's really stepped up to be an elite guy that they need. He lost a guy like Matt Merrill. They obviously don't have playo this year. So, you know, I don't think it's, they're as strong as they were last year, but I still think that they could be the top dog in this conference and not punch their ticket. I think USAO is the team that probably is not going to get left out of the tournament regardless. But man, for Oklahoma City, you could not feel comfortable. And uh, Southwestern Christian, obviously, you haven't been given the respect uh, you deserve all season, so they're not going to feel comfortable either.
0: Playoff baseball is is about depth at the end of the day. You know, it's about how many guys in the pen do you have that you can trust, and how many games in a row can they go? Uh, you know, and saving those arms and not having tired arm running tired arms out there. Um, uh, I think USAO has the best opportunity with that. I think they have the best opportunity to win on a Friday night game. I think they have the best opportunity to win in a Saturday night game. I think Ricardo Velez has been fantastic. Uh, Gene Moutonniere, you know, I think is a really good pitcher as well. He's been fantastic over a period of time. Um, It'll be really interesting to see. I think when it comes to depth, obviously USAO on the offensive side, missing a big bat, you know, in play out, uh, it's man, I mean, this is a whole toss up. And when it comes down to how many teams you can get in, normally, normally you're talking about a three bid league here, and you would be talking about Southwestern Christian, Oklahoma City, Science and Arts as kind of the front runners right now. But at this point in time, you don't know if you can get two or three teams because Southwestern Christian's not getting any of the, any of the respect they deserve in the poll. So, where does that put Oklahoma City? And, you know, that this is something, Cody, that would be great if we could look at current conference ratings and would tell us a little bit more of a story about where they could be in the next poll. But we don't have that. And so this is a toss-up. So I have to go with my gut. And I have to go USAO.
1: I mean, I agree with you that, too. My gut says that if Oklahoma City does not have a good showing in the conference tournament, they're not going to get in. They might, you know, they play results into a final even though they won't get an automatic bid. Maybe they have a good enough wins. I mean, they've been kind of on a roll lately. Granted, their schedule obviously eased it up. So I don't know what to make of Oklahoma City. I really don't. The thing with the Sooner in the Southern States is we're going to get it to, those four, the top four teams in the conference play each other. So the best games are still yet to come.
0: Yep, so we just coming. really,
1: won't, Yeah, but they're coming, like this weekend and next weekend. So we just really don't know what these four uh, best educated guests, though, is USAO. Southern States, tournament
0: champion, one bid. Cody, we went back and forth on this one as well, but Loyola looks like really, as of right now, the frontrunner in that conference. They just beat Faulkner in a three-game series, two games to one. But, but, ball games this weekend with Middle Georgia State and then Mobile will really tell a lot as well.
1: Yeah, you got one versus three this weekend and two versus four in this conference. Loyola's playing middle Georgia state and Faulkner's playing mobile Uh, moving weekend is, I believe that's what you called it, right? Moving weekend. Yeah. So it's like, I guess we're really going to find out. And it's the same with the sooner too. Uh, You have the top four teams squaring off there as well. So I think this is a really good, obviously weekend to find out more Loyola. Here's the thing with Loyola. If Loyola holds on and wins the regular season title, there's no automatic bid for that in this conference. I don't see how you leave them out if they don't win the tournament. I at think this point, is a three bid league. Yeah, because at a certain point, point, then you're really punishing. It's like you're rewarding three days over three months for real. And I just don't. I don't agree with that. Loyola for them is absolutely massive against Middle Georgia State. If they take two out of three, they're in really good shape. Then you would need a flog and sweep over Mobile, and then you would have to slip up against Mobile to you know lose this conference. I like it. I think there is. It is a three bid league. I think Faulkner and Middle Georgia State are at large locks. I think this is just kind of a conference like the Sun Conference. You just got to look at them and be like, all right, well, you know, three teams are getting in. What would hurt is like we've explained all show is if another team gets hot. That's the mm-hmm. worst case scenario for everybody else because then it would be a four bid league.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting. And I think a team like Loyola has a lot of pitching depth. I mean, a 3 5 1 team ERA. We're going to get into this this team a little bit more, but you're you're taking a look at it and they have got, you know, four different starting pitchers who have started four games or more this year. Uh, they've got several dudes who have gone two two starts, you know, so they've got guys who have are used to getting on the mound, and maybe it's not their day, it's not their rotation time, you know, but this is a team that, you know, has done that a few times this year. Uh, I still think Faulkner gets in no matter what because they're Faulkner and they are a really good ball club. But I think right now, if I think this is a three-bid league. Loyola, Faulkner, Middle Georgia State in no particular order. I think they're all the three favorites to really get into this into this uh, postseason tournament.
1: Well, really quickly, I do want to ask. You would agree, though, that this would be an example of a league that's four bids if someone gets hot. You- no,
0: absolutely. If William I- Carey jumps out there, I think so. I, I 100% think so. What
1: do you... Because then those are three – I mean, let's be honest. Their three teams are deeper than the other teams' conferences we've been talking about. This, I think Loyola, Middle Georgia, and Faulkner are all top 15. So they're yeah, not going to leave a top 15 out.
0: This is a top three conference. And again, Cody, uh, this has trans transformed itself into a top three conference in the nation. Um, really, I think it's playing – currently it's playing like a top two conference in the nation. Uh, and then at the same time, this is a conference that used to be really top-heavy. And now all of a sudden you look at the standings just on Dak stats and Faulkner's in fourth, because even though they're, they only have three losses, they've played one less game than everybody else, uh, which is no fault of theirs. But you know, it's one of those things that this, this is a conference that's transformed itself. The baseball is so much better. And I don't think you, you leave a team out of this conference and say, ah, you know what? They shouldn't be a four bid league. Like, if they deserve it, they deserve it. And I think that there's a lot of really good baseball to be played in this conference.
1: Absolutely agree. It's going to be a fun two weeks in this conference, for sure.
0: The Sun Conference is a one-bid league, and this one has been, that conference tournament will get topsy-turvy. It will get crazy. But, Cody, Southeastern is the favorite.
1: By far. You know, the number two team in the country, they are by far the favorite to win the conference. They're the favorite to win the conference tournament. The beauty of this tournament, as we've seen in years past, is this is a deep conference. You know, arguably actually the deepest conference by far. Like if we go by the bottom teams. So it's possible they don't win the tournament. And that's when you know chaos happens and will ensue. I'm curious to know where you think because you know we have coaches that are our friends, and you know, they we don't agree with you know some of their lines of thinking whereas I don't know that this is more than a two-bid league. I really don't. I don't don't, maybe, you know, like maybe Weber. It's the third team, maybe. I don't know how like St. Thomas, you know, that's our guys. Like You know, Leatherman, like, you know, for us, like, we love St. Thomas. But they just – they haven't been very good this year. So, I just don't – I don't know. I think they would, though. I'll tell you what. And I think a lot of it's resume and pedigree. And if you don't think that matters, you know, who no, are you kidding? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who are you kidding, man? Like, but I uh, I do think that that will help them in the end. Because look at it right now. I mean, they're, like, top 15 in the country right now. And I've been adamant about it. I don't believe that they should be. But – um. They're top 15, so maybe they get in anyway. Kaiser's automatically a lock. Southeastern's a lock, but I'd like to hear your thoughts on it.
0: No, I think for sure. Southeastern and Kaiser are the two locks. I think it comes down to Weber and St. Thomas. I every other year, you're going to find me saying, This is a four-bid league. This is a four-bid league. This is a four-bid league. Not this year. It's not this year. Now, I'll be the first person to admit that. I'm, I'm the only person out here that's, that's chanting TSC, TSC, like I'm at an SEC football game. So, you know, uh, it's one of those things that. I, I don't know, Cody. I, I think two teams for sure, but I'm not sure I can see three this year. It really comes down. But at the end of the day, that conference tournament is absolutely wild. Uh, Southeastern, when they won the national championship in 2018, went one and two in the conference tournament. You know, it, it's one of those things that it's going to be really interesting to see. I don't – you know, Weber's played a tough schedule and they've won some really good games. St. Thomas is, you know – Lost some games that they shouldn't, that you and I feel that St. Thomas shouldn't lose, but at the same time, they've won some games. Uh, I'm currently actually watching them play Kaiser as we speak so for like the 19th time this year. Uh, they did take the conference series over KU. They are currently tied for second in the conference with Weber, according to Dak stats. Um, but I believe that goes alphabetical when two teams are tied like that. So it's going to be real interesting, man. I, I don't know. I think for sure Southeastern Kaiser are in. It's going to come down to St. Thomas and Weber International. I think St. Thomas would
1: have the edge. One thing I want to make clear, too. When we say that we don't think St. Thomas and Weber are getting in, that doesn't mean we don't think St. Thomas and Weber are not as good as other teams that are getting in. That's just not how it works. Like, no, I, I watched, think they the, battle out there. You throw them out there well, and actually, oh, yeah, man. Oh, absolutely. So I watched Weber three games this weekend against Gwinnett, obviously. And if Georgia Gwinnett is number nine in the country, then Weber needs to be like number nine and a half because they played them tight, literally all weekend long. Uh, I mean, they actually put up sixteen runs on Gwinnett one game at home. Played extremely well. Uh, played really, honestly, close enough to win the series. Gwinnett did take the series, shoot a one, but it was close. And all I kept thinking is like, man, if this is not a top twenty-five team, I don't, you know, I don't know. So that's like a whole other ball game. Like, is Weber one of the twenty-five best teams in the nation? Is Saint Thomas? Well, if we're going to go with like St. Thomas, one of the most 25 talented, absolutely. It's not even close. I mean, obviously right. off talent, there definitely are. But uh, as for like the bidding and the way our system works, I just don't see it. I, I really don't. And I, I see more of a case for Weber than St. Thomas. I do. They play this weekend. And I told you this off air. You know, I thought after last weekend, I was like, I think Weber is going to take the series. I do. I still do. I think Weber is going to win the series over St. Thomas this weekend. And I think they will have a better case at the end of the day. And other than that, like, St. Thomas has a chance to prove us wrong. They have Southeastern coming up on the docket. Obviously, you can stun the whole entire country and uh, take a couple of games there, but I just don't see it happening.
0: It's it's going to be tough, man. It's going to be tough, and I'm, I'm really interested to see what happens. But whoever wins that series, I'm going to give the edge. But because of name recognition, St. Thomas has that edge in, in the, for the Sun Conference for a third bid. But for sure, I think this is a two-bid league. Cody, last but not least is the Wolverine-Hoosier Athletic Conference. Two bids, one to the – regular season champ and the other to the tournament to the tournament champ Concordia University in Arbor is a team that you and I have designated as the front
1: runner. Yes we do but without a lot of conviction because we just don't know honestly this conference is so wide open thought coming into the year Indiana Tech, Madonna, the favorites usually, Northwestern Ohio, not the case so far. I don't you know I just I really don't know. I would lean Indiana Tech because when I look at Indiana Tech's roster you know, they have a lot of kids that were, you know, played some really meaningful games for them. Uh just hasn't happened, you know, yet. I feel like when teams come down, you see it a lot with like Indiana Southeast as well. You come down there, you play Tennessee Wesley, and you get butchered. And, you know, it just doesn't, things kind of spiral from there. Uh, not the best starting point for a lot of people, especially this year to open in Athens, Tennessee. But I would go with Concordia. They've been knocking on the door forever. They're a team that's, you know, been there. They just have not gotten over that hump. And I would like to see them do it. But yeah, we'll go with either Concordia or Indiana Tech. Can we agree this is just a straight two-bid league as well? Oh, of course, absolutely.
0: It, it, yeah, it's going to be real interesting, man. Um, you know, that's everybody. That is everybody and how they will make the tournament. There are 30 automatic bids granted to teams from around the nation and 15 at largest. So if you are not one of those teams who is in a – whether your conference awards those bids to the tournament champion – the two pod winners, the regular season champion, the tournament champion, the tourney champion, the tourney runner-up. I mean, this is the point in the year, Cody, where things start to really get tight. So you really got to play some really good baseball from here on out.
1: Just win, baby. Al Davis said it, just win. Everyone controls their own destiny. All you have to do is get in the tournament. You win three or four games, and you're going to the national tournament. Cody, seven
0: teams will have their ticket punched first by winning their regular season championship. Seven teams will be the first to know that they are in the big dance overall. That is the regular season champion out of the CCAC, the regular season champion out of the Crossroads, the regular season champion out of the GPAC, the regular season champion out of the KCAC, and then the regular season champions out of the RRAC and the River States, as well as the WAC.
1: Absolutely love to see it. I love rewarding the best team over a three-month period. Big fan of it. Congrats to those teams in a few weeks. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I really like the idea as well.
0: I'm a big fan of that also. Uh, the NAI Ball Hitter and Pitcher of the Week, brought to you by Silverback Sports. Our Hitter of the Week is Columbia catcher Kenny Piper. He went 16 for 24 with 14 runs, 6 doubles, one triple, five home runs, and 15 RBIs, Cody. In our NAI Ball Pitcher of the week is Texas A&M University, Texarkana's starting pitcher, Jared Davis, who threw a no-hitter against number 21, Our Lady of the Lake. Cody, what you got on these performances?
1: Uh, Kenny Piper, 10-for-10 10 10 last week in a doubleheader. One of the craziest lines I've ever seen. Hit four home runs on the day, doubled five times. Perfect 10-for-10 10 10 against Missouri Valley in a midweek. Oh, man, midweek arms, and he took advantage of it. Honestly, I don't know that I've ever seen a ten for ten before. Now I know uh, Daryl Myers at the beginning of the year, started the year, like twelve for twelve, I think. But this guy went ten for ten in one day. So, like I said, this is absolutely locked in as you could ever be. And shout out to Jerry Davis to go out there and throw a no hitter against the top team in your conference in the opener, the number Huge. one, yeah, number twenty one team in the country against a team that was they were eleven and two at the time. Uh, they're now thirteen and three. They're thirteen and three in conference. Yeah, so just honestly a big time performance against a big time team, a team that we project to be in the opening round. So just hats off to those two.
0: Big time. Congratulations to our NAI Ball Hitter of the Week, Columbia Catcher Kenny Piper, who went 16 for 24 with five home runs, 15 RBIs, and altogether, you know, 12 extra base hits. And then Texas A&M University, Texarkana's starting pitcher Jared Davis, who throws a no-hitter versus our Lady of the Lake. Cody, it is time for games and series that people need to be watching from around the nation. It's a short list this week but I think it's a meaningful list. Southwest Christian USAO, St. Ambrose, Olivet Nazarene, Indiana Wesleyan Huntington, Ben U Mesa St. Catherine, St. Thomas University, Weber International, and then you can throw in as many (laughs) Southern States series as you want. It is moving week around the nation. It is finally, finally, Cody, a weekend that we are super excited about. Hey, this was a Tuesday that deserved to get excited about because there have been a lot of good ball games this Tuesday, including uh, one, you know, matchup that's really just kind of opened a lot of people's eyes. But we'll get to those later. But moving week across the nation, this is a huge, huge weekend for an High baseball.
1: That's massive. In the Chicago land, the top four teams square off. As we said, one plays three, two plays four. Same exact deal in the Southern States. One plays three, two plays four. Definitely just really looking forward to those matchups. And then our second big series of the week, if we had one, would be the USAO Southwestern Christian. Really looking forward to seeing what Southwestern Christian's got. You know, the 35 and four, they don't feel like they've been respected all season. Obviously, they know they're playing a team that was literally a national semifinalist. Uh, This is going to be for all the marbles for them. They know that, like I said, they got to go out there and they got to win their conference in order to get the respect they deserve. This is kind of a weekend to do that. Yeah, that it's
0: going to be tough. I mean, it, Southwest Christian versus USAO is going to be super interesting to watch. Uh, Huntington with a huge opportunity against Indiana Wesleyan, Yu Mesa with a op- statement opportunity against St. Catherine, and then St. Thomas and Weber both with opportunities to make the case to be the third team out of the Sun Conference because that conference, Cody, you know, draws a lot of uh, you know credit and respect nationally. You know, winning a national championship in 2018, and then having teams play for a national title um, in multiple previous years. So it's it's going to be really, really, really interesting to watch overall to see what happens this weekend. But let's move on to our big series of the week, brought to you by Silverback Sports at Shop Silverback for social, and ShopSilverback.com for everything you need online. Loyola versus Middle Georgia State is our Silverback Sports Big Series of the week. And Cody, Middle Georgia, currently 27-11. and 11. I know they played Reinhardt today. I do believe Reinhardt won that ballgame, correct?
1: They did. A big win for the Eagles. There you go. So Middle
0: Georgia State, 27-11, and 11, but they're 9-3 in Southern State's play they're a 290 hitting 290 coming into today at the time that we were recording the show as a team with a 402 team era joel ellis is hitting 326 with 42 hits seven home runs 38 rbis garrett martin hitting 218 with a five and two record or excuse me garrett martin has a 218 era Garrett Martin has a 218 ERA on the mound with a 5-2 and two record, 62 innings pitch, and 86 punch outs. Jackson Braden, 285 ERA with a 3-3 three three record, 41 innings pitch, 44 strikeouts. For Loyola, they're coming off of a doubleheader sweep of LSU Alexandria. They are 28-9. They have already broken the record for the most wins in school history at 26 with their two wins yesterday. They are 11-1 in Southern State's play. They are hitting 294 as a team, 351 team ERA. Peyton Alexander is hitting 403, 56 hits, 7 home runs, and 39 RBIs. Brandon Taravella with a 253 ERA, 4-0 record, 42 and 2-3 innings pitch, 41Ks, and then Steven Still with a 268 ERA, 2-2 two two record, 40 and a third innings pitch, 39 strikeouts. Cody, this is going to be a massive, massive, massive series in the Southern States and across the nation.
1: Absolutely big time series, man. Honestly, huge, 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 huge series. Middle Georgia State, got to have it. They got to have it. If you're going to win the regular season, you're going to get back and try to be that one seed. Got to do it this weekend. They have a guy in Garrett Martin, who's arguably one of their best pitchers they've had since we've started any ball. An absolute dude. Uh, He pitches that seven inning game every week. He's their number one, but he's had five double digit strikeout games, which is impressive. Like when I said, like, He hasn't gone past seven all season. So really good stuff for him. He's an elite ace. He's a guy that's going to give Middle Georgia a chance to win every single Friday. Loyola can't talk enough about Allen Dennis, as you said. Absolutely crushes the baseball. Eight home runs with 42 RBIs. Just ridiculous numbers. Big opportunity for Loyola. Uh, Toughest part of their season coming up. They played Faulkner. They have Middle Georgia this weekend, and then they play Mobile. Man, they could really honestly clinch their first regular season title. They could really do it. You just can't drop this series. You take two or three games, huge for them. On the flip side for Middle Georgia State, like I mentioned, got to have it, got to have these wins for them. Big time series, two top 15 team in the nations. They're probably going to be in the top 20. Middle Georgia might slide down, but you know, I, I really look at them as a top 15 team. I think they're really good this year. Uh, Joel Ellis, as you mentioned, offensively is a legit bat for them. You can hit it out of any park in the country. I'm looking forward to this one, man. I really don't know. I think playing at Cochran is crazy. We've seen teams like Faulkner go down there and lose a Friday game. And a really tough matchup. I know Gwinnett's gone down there and struggled. So for Loyola to go on the road to a rowdy environment, because, you know, this is one thing I do like about Cochran. They have a lot of fans. Uh, They get some good support. And uh, it's going to be tough for Loyola to go out there and try to take a series over a really hungry team that's really competitive.
0: This is a better pitching team. This is going to be one of the best pitching teams in middle Georgia state history. Uh, But this is, we're used to seeing middle Georgia state as a slug it out offense first team. I think ever since we started the podcast, at least that's the way they've been. And so it's been kind of a shock to see a team that's not hitting like three thirty, but they're still hitting the ball well enough to get, you know, everything done and make, Things happen. Just I've been really, really, really impressed with their pitching today. Uh, not just today, excuse me, but but this year. Really, really, really impressed with their pitching this year. And then on top of that, for Loyola, I mean, I could sit here and talk about Loyola all day. I'm, I'm a product of the Jeremy Kennedy School of Baseball. I was with Coach Kennedy in in you know multiple capacities for uh, three years, or excuse me, for six years, uh, double that. Uh, for six years, I was with Coach Kennedy you know, in multiple capacities. And I, I loved every moment of my time. And if I could go back and do it again, I, I would in a heartbeat, I wouldn't even think about it. Uh, so I'm a big believer in Loyola in what they do, because I've been through the system. I can tell you that his system that he had it at, at Loyola is the same one that he had at Kaiser. It's the same one that he had at Northwood, Texas. The, the culture doesn't change. The culture remains the same. Uh, and that's why I'm a, I'm a big proponent of them. And that's why I wear that big Brown hat with an L on it, you know, a, a lot. So um, I think this is going to be a heck of a series. I'm really more than anything, Cody, I'm so impressed with the Southern States and the way that it's been able to transform itself from a conference that's had a couple of down years where we were like, hey, is this a top five conference? Because it's Faulkner and everybody else To This is a conference where I need to watch a game every single weekend.
1: Absolutely. And shout out to Loyola for leading that charge, right? I mean, obviously them stepping up plays a huge role in that. And I I I really think that that definitely mattered. Uh, This is a big time series, man. Middle Georgia swept Loyola in 2019. Took all three. They won two of three last year. They actually did play before the shutdown. They did. So yeah. So Middle Georgia's won five of six lately. Uh, I feel they're they're confident. I'll tell you what. Middle Georgia could be playing the New York Yankees, and they would think they would win. Trust me on that. That is a confident. <laughs> I mean, that is a confident group of young men. And uh, you're gonna hear from them. And like I said, it's a really good environment. Big big stakes on the line for Loyola. I wish the I really wish the Southern States get out a regular season bid. Because to me, it would make this series way bigger, and it's kind of like nice. disappointing that it's not. Because like it, you're really just playing for seeding. But I, I think Loyola has a great chance to win the regular season title, and mm-hmm. I think it starts with this weekend. Though, you know, like I said, you can't lay it dud this weekend because you can't look over your shoulder. But even if Middle Georgia has a good weekend, you know, Faulkner they're playing Mobile, and Mobile, you know, same deal as Faulkner. Uh, just I think this is going to be a really good matchup. Like you said earlier, this conference has two really good matchups this weekend, Faulkner Mobile, and then Loyola and Middle Georgia State.
0: I just think this is a different Middle Georgia State than we've ever really seen, or at least that I've ever really seen. Obviously, you have more experience with them. When I was at Kaiser, we never played them. Um, And then when I was at Northwood, Texas, I don't think they had baseball yet. So, you know, it was one of those things that uh, this is a different team than we've seen, than we're used to. This is a much more... Uh, defensive focused and pitching focused team rather than just r- we hit ball over fence and it's really just it's going to be interesting. I'm really excited to see it because I I think you know Middle Georgia State is is playing some really good baseball. Loyola is playing some really good baseball. Mobile is playing some really good baseball. Faulkner's playing some really good baseball. It's going to be really great to see overall what happens in our big series of the week between Loyola and Middle Georgia State out of the Southern States Athletic Conference. Cody, man, final thoughts for this week. It has been a very information-packed show.
1: I mean, absolutely. Just take everything we said with a grain of salt. You know, we're not. You know, <laughs> these are just our projections. We are projecting this on April thirteenth. Yep. Things do change. Uh, the conferences I'm least confident in are the CCAC and the WAC. And I think mm-hmm. you know this weekend will help us. I think you know with the CCAC having those four teams playing three games each, that's a blessing for us. I mean, a lot of times the CCAC don't even play on the weekend. They play on Mondays and Tuesdays, and then we run into, like, wait, do these count as conference games? So it's just confusing. I'm glad that they play on Friday and Saturday this week. I'm really looking forward to it. Obviously, our big series is goal in Middle Georgia. I'll be checking it out. Other than that, man, just more in AI baseball around the nation. I'm really looking forward to this tournament. Like, we're geared up for it. We're ready for postseason play. Oh, yeah. No, we are, we are absolutely
0: 100% ready for postseason play. We are absolutely thrilled for postseason play you and i will not sleep if they get twitter spaces out to us ever i mean we are going to have so much live content where we are out there at night watching games with people and talking about what we're seeing and and the nai postseason and and so many different things like that that i am so excited for uh cody before we go really quickly i know we've already had a really long show and we told ourselves that we were going to have a shorter show this week uh we'll we'll still get (laughs) (laughs)
1: Thank <laughs> <laughs> so much for that, go ahead uh,
0: Really quickly, I'm really excited I know we announced it on Twitter But uh, uh, four new awards to go along With our NAI Ball Player of the Year NAI Ball Pitcher of the Year And the All to the two all-NAI Ball teams uh, We will be giving out awards for the NAI Ball Reliever of the Year The NAI Ball Freshman of the Year The NAI Ball Coach of the Year And the NAI Ball Assistant Coach of the Year All of those, but the Assistant Coach of the Year Will be uh, decided by you know, you and me, I don't think um, we'll, we'll ask for, you know, submissions, even though we know who's who around the nation at a different time uh, we will. And when we're ready to talk about the selection process for the assistant coach of the year, we'll go ahead and talk about that as well. But uh, you know, I just wanted to say thank you to everybody for allowing us to continue to grow and continue to move forward with our sport as we continue to make this a better and better place for everyone who's an alumnus, everyone who takes pride in this product of NAI baseball, and we're super excited to continue to give more recognition to the people out there who deserve it the most. The players,
1: I could not agree more, man. I love the idea, I'm glad you came up with it. It gives us something else to argue about, and I, <laughs> look, I look forward to it.
0: I don't think people realize how big those debates are for you. Like, we are talking like Saber metric, like, people just think, Oh, no, he hit 16 home runs, he hit seven. No, I mean, we're pulling out like runs created. Uh, OPS, you know, things that you don't have on a normal DAX stats. It is deep conversation and we will not talk to each other for for hours on end because we have two different people in mind for player of the year.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree. Like we're different opinions. We're not the same person. And uh, this stems even to player of the week. And you now there's an instance this year player of the week, we disagreed on who th- we thought the player of the week should be. So yeah, I mean, in, it, <laughs> it amplifies to like the millionth degree at the end of the season because people care about that way more than they care about player of the week.
0: And there's no other committee. It is literally the selections are made with no outside help or anything like that. Nobody influences the ballot. doesn't matter whose kid it is. It, it, like none of that matters what team he plays for. It is literally a decision between two people, which is really hard to make. Uh, but at the end of the day, it comes down to a lot of information and we really dig deep into the, into all of the information available to us. So we're excited folks. You know, as always, for all of your new stat scores information, hit up Cody at NAI Ball on Twitter and Instagram for all of your new stat scores information. 365 days a year, 24-7. For myself, the host of the NAI Ball Podcast. Rob Contenders, at robg G1063 on Twitter. If you want to talk NAI baseball. Thank you for continuing to grow with us here at NAI ball and caring about the product that we put on the field as well. Whether you're a coach, a player, a fan, a parent, it does not matter. We appreciate y'all here at NAI ball. And so for our intern, Connor Darnell, for Cody Butler, I'm Robbie Gutierrez. We will talk to you next week. Once again, this has been season four episode 12 of the NAI ball podcast until then have a great day and even better tomorrow and stay safe.